I tell you what, guys, this study on the names of God are just, I, I tell you, I learned, I've preached these series, you know, I've studied this, this names of God, and I, I've learned so much every time, and I pray that you're being encouraged, your soul is being blessed, and your spiritual life is being greatly augmented and encouraged. Today, we get to study this name, Jehovah-Rohi, which translation, the Lord is my shepherd. The 23rd Psalm. Uh, how many of you ever heard a sermon preached on the 23rd Psalm? A lot of times we, we read the Psalm. In fact, this Psalm is quoted very frequently in hospitals. Uh, military chaplains say it has no parallel on the, on the battlefield. That this Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It is quoted very frequently. I found it very interesting that on the day of 9-11, in the World Trade Towers, when our American... Dearly beloved Americans were on those, in those towers, those north and south towers, that they were quoting two passages of Scripture. They were quoting the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and they were quoting the 23rd Psalm. You say, well, what makes it so familiar? What makes it so powerful? Well, it is a, it is a riveting, moving passage of Scripture, but it's, it's also easy to, to memorize. It's easy to commit to memory, and it is so full of of so much peace and tranquility. And, and I'll tell you guys, if you're not there and if you're not walking through the valley of the shadow of death or times are not tough for you, all I have to say is just live a little longer and there will come a time in your life where this psalm, uh, it will become near and dear to your, to your soul. And so it's such a joy for me to be able to preach this message, the Lord is my rohi. That word literally means to, to lead and to feed and it, mean, it has that connotation of a shepherd with his sheep, the time of intimacy, a time of, of guidance and leadership. Also interesting about this word rohi in the Hebrew, it can also be translated companion or friend. Let, let me give you an example of that. In Exodus chapter 33, it says, Jehovah spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his rohi, uh, a friend or companion. Again, I, I'm just so thrilled to be able to read this passage and to be able to get into it and just study it word upon word, line upon line. And as I do this, I pray that you'll open up your minds today, you'll open up your hearts, and it will be a didactic time, meaning it'll be a time of teaching that you will come today and you will, you will absorb the nutrients of the Word of God and your emaciated soul will be replenished and, and refreshed and encouraged. And that is my prayer today, that, that God will speak not only to your minds and that your minds will be greatly you know, broadened, and, and, and I hope that happens, but also that the affective domain of you, that part of you, your emotional part, your heart part, will also be massaged and encouraged. And I, again, I, I know we come from all different walks of life and different places on the continuum of spirituality. Some of you today, I mean, you're just rocking and rolling with the Lord. I mean, things are good. You're just fist-pumping, man, high-fiving, amen. Things are awesome. And I'm glad for you. That is wonderful. Some of you today are walking or you're about to walk through the valley, uh, uh, through the shadow perhaps of death, and you're going to need these words. And so today, if you're just rah-rah and everything is glorious and wonderful, just be thankful to God, but tuck this in the back of your spiritual cortex or cerebrum, because I'm telling you, if you just live long enough, these words will come back to you, and they will be precious indeed. The 23rd Psalm, let's read it. The Lord is my shepherd, David says. I shall not want or I shall not be in need. He makes me 
He makes me uh, to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, as the King James Version says, it runneth over. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What rich, picturesque, poetic language that David uses. And I remember he writes this about 3,000 years ago, um, 1,000 B.C., before the time of Christ. And yet, isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit would inspire him to write in a way that he uses motifs or he uses metaphors, analogies, similes. He uses things like shepherding and banqueting halls. And by the way, here we are, 2,000 plus or 3,000 years removed, and we still know what a banquet is and we still know what a shepherd is. And so it's interesting how these, these words, they are timeless. They transcend time and they, they apply to us whether we live 3,000 years ago or whether we live today. In 2010, on the precipice, on the eve of another year here in 2011. I want to study this passage with you today, and I just want to walk it through and just unpack it for you. And by the way, I'm just delighted to do this. I am just thrilled to be able to share God's Word with you. And I pray, as I said a moment ago, that your hearts are encouraged and massaged, but also your minds are are broadened and you think deeply with God today. First of all is a word of declaration. There are two words of declaration I want to give to you in verse 1. And they're simply stated, number one, the Lord is my shepherd. That's declaration number one. And that is a powerful motif to say that God is a, is a shepherd. And by the way, David, who wrote these words, he knew exactly what he was talking about because he also was a shepherd. In 1 Samuel 16, 11, it talks about the young shepherd boy, David. He is out tending or keeping the sheep. And the Bible also says in 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 35, it says, But David said unto Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. So what occupation did David have? What was he? Fireman? No, you missed it. Uh, That would be a what? He would be a shepherd. Thank you. There's a brother over here awake. He's listening. Thank you. He's a a shepherd. He keeps sheep. He he tended uh, a sheep, physical, literal sheep. He said, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, notice this, David said, I went out after it. I mean, what courage, what bravery. And I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck and I killed it. So David, he understands this whole motif, this whole ideal of of being a shepherd. And we can go on record and say David was a good shepherd. I mean, he was willing even to lay down his life for the preservation, for the protection, for the well-being of his sheep. The Bible says this about our God. I mean, you see it there on the screen. It says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. Let me give you the next one. Psalm 100, verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us. 
and we have not made ourselves. Man, what an awesome word for our erudite, sophisticated culture in 2000, almost 11. We still are not God. We still have not made ourselves. God Almighty, you have made us. Now watch this analogy. We are your people, and we are the sheep of your pasture. L listen to this excerpt I found. It just gives... If I was going to entitle this, I would call it Sheepology 101. Listen to the description of a shepherd in, in Palestine when this was written. Listen to these words. Shepherding does not change much in Palestine, where the wild beasts still descend upon unprotected sheep and suddenly destroy them. The Palestinian shepherd, he lives day and night with his beloved animals. He establishes a degree of intimacy with them, which is touching to observe. He calls them all by their what? What do you think? He calls them by their name. Can you imagine that? Shepherd calling sheep by their name, and they, they recognize him. They hear his voice, and hearing his only, they heed. He protects his sheep from thieves and praying animals who would devour them at night. He sleeps with them in the opening of the often makeshift sheepfold, and they... Sensing his watchfulness, they fear no evil. He provides pasture and water, even in the wilderness, in the presence of, even in the presence of their enemies. And they, oh, look at this, they cast all their anxiety upon him, this physical, literal shepherd with his sheep, and they are fed. There is a singular communion between a shepherd and his sheep, which, after you visit Palestine and observe it, it is an apt description of the 23rd Psalm which says the Lord is my shepherd and it is strangely moving end of quote thank you Nathan Stone David says the Lord is my shepherd he is my God he is my protector he is the one that oversees my life and in his providence and in his sovereignty and in his governance, he, he knows what is best for me. He has created me, and he, he watches over me, and he leads me. Ooh, listen to this word. He leads me, he feeds me, and he intercedes for me as my shepherd. Some of you look at me, well, I don't need that. I, I, I kind of take offense at the Bible calling me a sheep. Ah, I'm not some dumb, boneheaded sheep. Guess what? Yes, you are. We are sheep. And the analogy says we stray and we go our way and we need, listen, whether we realize it or not, we need a protector. Some of you guys, some of you male tough guys, oh, I don't need no protector. I'm my own protector. Let me tell you something, guys. There comes a day when everybody's going to need a protector, and if you don't believe it, just die. <laughs> just die one day. The young may, but the old must. And there's coming a day when we are entering into the portals of death, the deep, raw throat of death. And when we die, let me tell you something, friend, you'll be looking and saying, Whoa, where's that message? Oh, hello, where's that sermon about God being my shepherd? More about that in a moment. Declaration number one, the Lord not was, not the Lord may be, or the Lord in the future. No, the Lord current present tense is my shepherd. Let me give you another word of declaration. As a result of that, we shall not be in want, or we shall not need. Let me give you some definitions of this Hebrew word. It means to fail, or to lessen, to be abated, to decrease, or to make lower. The good shepherd of our souls says, you shall not be in want. You shall not be in desperation. I will always 
comfort you. I, I will always be there for you. Well, what are you saying, preacher? Are you saying that I, if I am a Christian, if I know this awesome God that about which you're speaking, that, that I will never have difficulty in my life, I will never go hungry, or I will never have pain, or the vicissitudes of life will never overflow my soul like an avalanche or like a great turbulence. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, the Bible never says that God will exempt us, that he will always preempt and remove us from difficult circumstances. No, not at all. If I understand anything about the Bible, it's this. God never promises that we'll never have a bad day. He just promises that he'll go with us through that day. That's the beauty of, of knowing God as our shepherd, that, that in the end, he, he, he's always with us, and he guides us, he leads us, he feeds us, he intercedes for us. He superimposes his will. He guides us in his governance and his sovereignty. So we can say with David of old, with this declaration, the Lord God, you are my rohi, you are my friend, and you are my shepherd, and I shall not. I shall not be abated or lessened or weakened. I will walk uh, in victory. Listen to the way one pastor put it. It's pretty interesting. As a pastor out of California, listen to what he said. He said, you know, we convince ourselves that life will be better after we get married, have a baby, and then another. Then we are frustrated because the kids aren't old enough. We believe that we will be more content when they get older. Well, the kids become teenagers, and we're frustrated that we got to deal with teenagers. You hear this? This angst of life, never being satisfied. Always reaching for something more. Okay, he says, oh, we tell ourselves that our life will be complete when our spouse gets his or her act together. That's just what I need. They just need to get right, and then I'll get a nicer car, and then we'll go on a nicer vacation, and we'll get a better home, and then eventually we will retire, and yet it never satisfies. We live in the generation of the half-empty cup, and the content that fills that cup is fear. Fear that we don't have enough. Fear that we're not valuable. Fear that we will be forgotten when we die and fear that we will face God unprepared. We see a tremendous contrast in what the writer of the 23rd Psalm expressed and what our own hearts contain. How? How could someone write with such contentment and security before the time of hospitals, penicillin, and 401Ks? End of quote. I like that. You know how he could do that? Do, do you know how he could say... I have no fear. I have no trepidation. I do not worry because the Lord God himself is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not lack. I shall not want. I shall not fail because the Lord himself is my shepherd. Declaration number one. Now, let me get to the description. I'm getting a little excited here because I, I love verses two through six. You're talking about picturesque poetic, profound, moving literature. The, the 23rd Psalm, is, it is absolutely riveting. And I just want to unpack it with you. I want to walk through with you the descriptive phrases in this psalm. Number one, for example, it says that the Lord, he makes me to lie down. I, I phrase this, he gives provision. He provides for me. He provides rest, restoration, and leadership. I talked to one lady one time, Dr. Heidi. She had just had back surgery. And um, she says, you know, I'm, I'm really active and I'm really busy, but the Lord has made me lie down. He has allowed me this opportunity to, to lie down and just to rest, to be nourished. He, he makes me lie down in, oh, look at this, 
in barren wastelands of life. Is that what it says? Nope, that's not what it says. He makes me lie down in green. Look at, that. Look at the connotation of green, lush, you know, fertile, beautiful landscape. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Can you see that shepherd with his sheep? Can you see that he, he cares for his sheep? He is, he is concerned for their protection, for their welfare, for their being fed. He doesn't lead them over here some some barren wasteland and say, oh, you a bunch of knuckle-headed sheep, just go over there and just, just rummage around in the dirt over there and just find you something to eat. I'm going to go over here and take a nap. No, he doesn't do that. He, he, he orchestrates and he, he works and he looks and he finds the, the green grass and he finds the fertile soil and he, and he finds the fresh streams. And I'm telling you, if a human being bodily shepherd could do that for some old stinking sheep, how much more... Does God Almighty, does he not desire to, to lead us and to feed us and to places of rest, of relaxation, of restoration and renewal for our souls? So I don't know about you, but I don't know about me, Brother Dan, but I, I think you're getting kind of excited about this whole shepherding thing. Well, I am. Thank you. He provides, let me say it to you again, rest, restoration. Oh, restoration. Look at verse 3. He restores my soul. Does anybody here need to have a, a, a restoration of your, of your soul today? Are, are you emaciated spiritually? Are you, are you floundering around and are you just kind of meandering through life and you're just kind of uh, just landing from one pleasure and one hedonistic event or an episode to the next and you're just going, you know what? All the pleasures of this world, and there are many, but I'm telling you, I have this restlessness in my soul, and I, I just need God. I, I need God to restore me. I need God to give me intimacy with him. Listen, friend, then you're sitting in the right place. God has intervened. He has orchestrated it so you could be here today and hear these words, he restoreth my soul. One writer puts it this way. He restores, that is, he gives the enjoyment of life to his own. Thirdly, he provides leadership. He provides leadership. He leads me, verse 3, in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in good paths. He leads me in the paths that I could do what is right, not in dark, evil paths. Because if I am traversing the dark, sinful, evil paths of life, I will not be able to exclaim and extol praise to God that he has led me in paths of righteousness. He leadeth me. Joseph Gilmore was a fascinating man born in another generation, born in 1834, died in 1918. His dad was the governor of the state of New Hampshire. Spent some time in New Hampshire. You know what their license plate says? Live free or die. That would go over good in Texas, by the way. I like that. Live free or die. His dad was the governor. He attended Brown University, one of our Ivy League schools, and then went on to Newton Theological Institute. He was the chair of the English department at the University of Rochester from, listen to this, 1868 till 1908. He was what we would call today a bivocational preacher because not only did he teach and preach and pastor some great churches, but he also served as the chair of the Department of English. By the way, which allows me to say... In another day in America, 
used to be the, the most erudite and scholarly and brilliant of, of the Americans were the preachers. And, you know, they were the ones that you could go to and they would have a word, they would have a knowledge, and they would have wisdom, and they would be able to feed, and they would be able to teach the Word of God. I wish we could go back to those days. I wish God, Brother James, I wish God would raise up a group of preachers and ministers of the gospel. Listen to this preacher today. Have a hot heart for God and also have a full mind. That's what I long for, for preachers like that who will get into the Word of God and teach and, and discipline like this guy did, this Gilmore, happy Gilmore guy, his Joseph Gilmore guy. March 26, 1862. Somebody help me. We're not an uneducated people here. What, what, 1862. Somebody help me. Civil War. And uh, he preaches on the 23rd Psalm. And he's preaching in a church, First Baptist Church of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This erudite, scholarly, English professor preacher. And after he preaches, he he walks away and he goes to a friend's home and he's so, he's so broken, he's so burdened for America. He preaches on the 23rd Psalm and yet we are in a calamitous, I mean in a, in a horrible way, I mean a, a war between the states. And, he, and he, he eats lunch and then he goes out by himself and he just calls out to God. He said, oh God, would you just give me a word that I might be able to encourage these Americans, Lord, from your word, Psalm 23, and this is what he came up with. And y'all may not have heard this, but some of you older saints like me with some snow on the mountain, amen, you, you, will, you will understand these words. Brother Terry, listen to this. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, wherever I be, Still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He wrote those words based on his study of Psalm 23, verse 3. He leads me. Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's bowers bloom, by water still or over troubled sea, still God's hand that leadeth me. Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine, nor ever would I murmur or repine, content, content whatever lot I see, because your hand, Lord, it leads me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory is won, even, woo, son, listen to this. I mean, this guy's got it going on. I mean, he, he writes in this descriptive, picturesque language like David of old. Let, let me, sorry. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, even death's cold wave. I will not flee since God through Jordan leadeth me. And then the refrain is, He leadeth me, He leads me. By His own hand He leadeth me. His faithful follower I would indeed be, for by His hand He leads me. So He does. He provides, did you catch those words? He provides rest, restoration, and he provides leadership for his sheep. All right, the next word is a word of protection. Verse 4, protection. Some of you are going, okay, Brother Danny, you're well into the sermon, and you're only on verse 4. Let me just make sure I understand what you're doing. 
are you going to go through like every verse of Psalm 23 and, and try to explain what that means? That's exactly what I'm going to do. And you know what? Hello, poinsettia, my friends. You know what? I don't have anything better to give you than God's Word. I don't have any more po beautiful prose or poetry or literature. What I have is God's awesome Word. And they're just so, mm, so listen to this preacher. There's just something, I almost want to use the word magical, but that's not the right word. There's just something majestic. There's just something deeply profound. And, and it may be a little old-fashioned, and some say, well, it's a little homiletically antiquated. Can I, can I just go on record and say, there's nothing better in this world that I could give you and share with you than this book right here. God has, a, he just, he has an affinity with this book. And, and he will feed your soul. He will nourish you if you just keep listening. You say, oh, brother, this is just hard. I tell you, you're just making me think. I just want to come to church and just party over. Man, I just want to feel good when I come to church. Well, I want you to feel good too, and I want your mind to get broadened with some Hebrew and Word of God. Amen. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Let me get back to protection. Okay, good. I'm back now. Protection. He uh, says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I mean, can you really live like that? Can you live, you know, with no trepidation? I mean, I guess welcome to Austin. You know, since I've been here, I've been diagnosed with skin cancer, and a deer almost killed me yesterday. I mean, the people are like, welcome to Austin, brother. And I'm like, but I, it's all good, you know. I'm glad Bambi didn't come through the window yesterday, but it's, 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 there's just this peace in my life. that, I mean, God is really true to his word. When you walk with him, when you know him, though, though you may walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, he protects us. Listen to these words. Oh, this is strong. We frequently desire and plead that we might avoid the difficult circumstances of life when in truth our greatest concern should always be our close proximity to the shepherd. That's, that's good. Disease, terrorists, calamity, broken relationships, difficult economy. Do we fear these things as the children of God? No, we don't. You know why? Look at verse 4. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I tell you, let, let me give you another song. If my throat could stand up to it today, I would try to sing the afters. Light, light, light of the sky. Well, let, me, let me just read it to you, though. Here it comes. When stars are hiding in the clouds and I don't feel them shining, when I can't see beyond my doubt the silver lining, when I've almost reached the end like a flood you're rushing in and your love comes rushing in. Y'all recognize the song, the, the afters? Light, light, light up the sky. You light up the sky to show me, God, that you are what? That you are with me. Oh, 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 mm, mm, mm. oh, okay, here it is. I can't deny, no, I cannot deny that you are right here with me. You've opened up my eyes. I wonder if he was reading the 23rd Psalm because God, you are with me. Therefore, I do not fear because I am greatly protected. Oh, look at this last part, verse 4. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, the word rod there, it, it literally is like a, like a little cudgel. You know what a cudgel is? Kind of like a rounded piece of wood. And this shepherd, he would, um, he would take that stick, that rod, and he would stick it in his belt. 
And if someone would try to come and steal his sheep, or if there were some wolf or some predator would try to come out and, and, and consume his sheep, well, that shepherd, he would take that rod, that cudgel, and he'd just beat them with it, and he would fight them off. Because why? Because, listen to this, he is the shepherd, and these are his sheep, and his dead-level best, he wants to protect them and, and care for them. And what about this next word? Your rod is with me, and also your staff. Now, this word staff, this is a longer piece of wood. This is, um, you know, it could be like six to eight uh, feet long. And, you know, a shepherd, he's taking care of his sheep. And sheep, they're just, they're just dumb animals sometimes, okay? And they just kind of move off the path. And they're supposed to be up here on the path, you know, where it's safe and protected. And they just meander, you know, and they get in the bushes and they start hiding and they start rummaging around. And that shepherd has to take that long staff. And, and sometimes he would even take it and, and it would kind of have a crook on the end. And he would pick it up and old sheep feet be dangling, you know. And he would bring him back and he would put him on the, on the ground. And, and God gave me a word this week. And listen to this word he gave me. The good shepherd protects his sheep from predators from without, and he protects us from wandering tendencies from within. You see, God is the good shepherd. He protects us. He guides us. He caresses us. And when we get off of the, the path, like some of you today are kind of getting off the path of righteousness, the path of where you need to be in your marriage or where you need to be with your kids or what you need to be thinking, what you need to be doing, and you meander and you roam around and you get away from where God wants you to be, aren't you so glad today that God loves you, that he cares for you? Thank you, Brother Terry. He's not just up in heaven going, shazam, kabam, I'm going to shoot you dead, you reprobate heathen. He doesn't do that. I mean, he could do that. And he would be totally justified because he is good and awesome and holy and we are unjust. And yet he leads us and he brings us back. So he provides for us, he protects us, and he prospers us. Look at verses 5 and 6. You prosper us. Oh, God, thank you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that neat how God does that? He, he just honors his children some of you today are, are having some hard times, and you've got some enemies, you've got some difficult people. And it's interesting how God just, he just gives you peace and tranquility, and he honors you, and he, he exalts you, he elevates you, and your enemies, they can't do anything about it. Why? Because the good shepherd, he is prospering you, he's blessing you. And so he says, you anoint my head with oil. In this time frame, 3,000 years ago, and now we've moved into this banqueting motif, out of the shepherding motif to the banquet hall. In the banquet hall, if you were the honored guest, this is what would happen to you. Say, ooh, that's gross, but really, it really wasn't gross at all in this setting. What they would do, they would sit you down in the honored seat, and the host or the owner of the, of the home, he would break out the olive oil. And it's mixed with this perfume, and it... It's, it smells wonderful, and, it, and, and you're sitting there, and, and they break it open, and they pour it over your head, and down your Middle Eastern beard, it drips, and, and everybody is applauding you. They, they are blessing you. There's something favored and special about you because you are now the honored guest. And David says, that's what God does for me. He, he anoints my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. And then he gives these awesome words, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I tell you guys, this is so rich. 
This Hebrew word goodness is this word tob, and it means bountiful, blessed, cheerful, prosperity, welfare, and wealth. He says, and God's goodness and God's hesed. Now, this is a Hebrew word that is so prominent in the Old Testament. It's one of the most descriptive phrases of God, this, this hesed. It means loving kindness and loving favor. Surely goodness and mercy, they pursue me, they follow me. Oh, look, 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 great hills, look at this. Not some of the days of my life, but all the days of my life. I, I have God's goodness. I have God's favor on me. And look at the way he ends it. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and forever. There's no ambiguity here. There's no stuttering. David says, I have this peace and I have this confident assurance that I know that as I've traveled and I've walked with God here on planet earth, when I enter into the deep raw throat of death and I know I must one day, that even then there, O oh God, your hand leadeth me and guides me and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, reminds me of a passage of Scripture in the New Testament, 1 John 5, 13. You remember this? You ever seen this? These things I've written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Are y'all okay? That you may what? That you may hope, that you may perchance, that you might know, that you may have, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So, We've looked, first of all, at the uh, declaration, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then verses 2 through 6 are these beautiful, graphic, picturesque, poetic words of God's provision, God's prosperity, God's protection. And yet I want to end my, my time with you today with, with this word, this word about decision. Because the 23rd Psalm, it, it, it is so riveting is so powerful you you cannot just approach it with this laissez-faire take it or leave it 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 really culminates it brings you to a point of of decision some of you here today don't you don't know the lord as your shepherd and and he loves you and and our music pastor was pleading with you a few minutes ago as I'm going to be pleading with you now that if you don't know him as your shepherd, as your king, as your God, that you would surrender your heart and your life to him. And I'm bringing you to a point of decision. Look at this. It says, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep in John 10, 11. And I love this beautiful phrase here. Jesus said, I am that shepherd. I am the one that will lay down my life, and he did. He died on a cruel Roman cross. He was placed in a borrowed tomb. God raised him from the dead, and now he's, he stands at your heart's door. To, he invites you to say, come into me, Jesus. Be my Lord. Be my King. Be my Savior. And so I invite you to, if you don't know the shepherd, if you've never had a time in your life when you entered into his sheepfold, then I invite you to do that today. Some of you are here today and you say, well, thank you, Pastor. But I, I do know the Lord. And, um, but if I could just be real honest with you, I get real nervous when I start thinking about death. You know, death, that moribund, morbid thought of, of dying. You ever heard that little phrase? I think I said it a moment ago, the young may 
You know, but the old must. I mean, all of us at one point or time, we have to enter into the portals of death. Our eyes close and they open no more. Well, what happens then? Have you ever thought about that? Well, what's going to happen to me when I die? Will the Lord be my shepherd then? Will he lead me even then? One of the great preachers in yesteryear was a man by the name of Alexander McLaren. Alexander McLaren lived in Scotland, and as a 16-year-old young man, he, he took a job a few miles from his home in Glasgow, Glasgow, Scotland. And his dad, him and his dad had this unique relationship. I wish we had more father-son relationships like Alexander McLaren and his father. And his father said, now, son, I know you're out of school. It's summertime, and you're going to get a job. You're going to get a job, and you're going to work, and uh, this is really neat, and, and I want you to come home every weekend. And so he goes off. It's about five or six miles, and back then they just walked everywhere, okay? This is 19th century Scotland. And he said, I want you to, you know, walk on over to your work, and then Friday, when you get off, I want you to walk back home Friday night. Well, there's only one problem with this. You know, Alexander McLaren knew it. He was like, oh, Dad, <laughs> excuse me, but why don't I just sleep Friday night, you know, over here in this city, and then the next morning I'll get up and I'll walk the five or six miles on over to Glasgow to our home. And his dad said, no, son, that's not what you're going to do. I'm telling you, after you get off work, I want you to walk home. And Alexander McLaren's going, no, no. And he didn't verbalize it because he didn't want his dad to know how fearful he was of that ravine, that ravine. It was this dark hole, basically, in between his workplace and where he lived in, in Glasgow. And he would have to go down into this deep, dark ravine, and you can imagine the stories they had. Oh, the ghosts and the goblins live there, and young boys go in, and they never come out alive, okay? He's just, like, petrified. He's fearful, and he's going... Oh, he goes, Dad, well, no, I'll just spend the night. You know, it's no big deal here on Friday, and I'll just get on up Saturday. And I'll He said, son, are you listening to me? I want, you and I have never been separated this long. And I know me. I'm going to be waiting to see you on Friday night. Wouldn't it be awesome to have a dad like that? Wouldn't it be cool to have a dad like that? And why don't, why don't you just come? Why don't you just do what I'm telling you, son? He says, okay, well, guess what? Monday. Guess what he thought about all day Monday? Guess what he thought about Tuesday? I mean, the boy could hardly sleep. He was so fearful because he knew Friday night was coming. And he knew he was going to stand on the precipice, and he's going to look down in that deep, dark ravine, and he's just going to be scared out of his mind, and he's going, what am I going to do? Sure enough, Friday came. He got off work. He ran. He tried to outrun before the sun went down, but he didn't make it. Sure enough, he got to the precipice, to the edge of the ravine, and he's going, oh, mercy. He's just scared out of his mind. He's going, what am I going to do? He goes, i got to go through this dark ravine with ghosts and goblins galore, and i got to do this. And he's like, I just can't. And he's just fearful, so fearful. And then he said, but I've got to. And then he, he looks, and lo and behold, he sees something. Of course, you always see something, you know, whether it's there or not. He goes, no, that's just not something. That, that really is something. And he looked, and he goes, that's, just, that's something coming out of the, 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 the ravine there. And he, and he says, and I turned to run. Let me just let him describe it. I turned to run, but I looked one more time at the figure approaching and up out of the darkness and into the pale light, I watched came the head and the shoulders of the grandest man on earth. He was bound to have known that I was scared, but he only said, Alex, I wanted to see you so badly that I just had to come and meet you. 
So shoulder to shoulder, we went down into the valley. And I was not afraid of anything that walked. The Bible says if we, as earthly fathers, human beings, know how to give good gifts to our children, can you exponentially multiply that a billion times over that almighty God, he knows how to give good gifts to his sheep. You know, guys, I'm, I'm just so thrilled today to know that when you know the Lord, he will bless you and guide you in this temporal life. But when you die, when you close your eyes, and by the way, guys, none of us are guaranteed a, another moment. I mean, we could go out here and something tragic could happen. It doesn't matter if we're young or if we're older. We, we could die, and if we know the Lord, can y'all imagine? Can you imagine when you close your eyes in death and you look? And there is the great shepherd of our souls, Jesus Christ, the risen king. And he wraps us up in his arms, and he takes us to be with them in heaven. My land. That just about will make you thrill deep within your soul. I'm going to ask you if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment. And I, I want to revisit this concept of, of decision. And you're here today, and you... You don't have that tranquility and that peace in your soul. I'm so glad that you're here today. And your decision is a, I tell you, it's so important. It's a life and death decision. I, I want to invite you today. There's never been a time in your life when you ask Christ to be the Savior, the King, the, sh the shepherd of your soul, that you would invite him into your heart right now. That you would tell him, you would say, God, I know I need you. Lord, my life is in a mess. I, I'm just meandering around on the highway of life. Lord, just going from one pleasure stop to the next. But God, it's not satisfying me. Lord, I invite you today. Would you come into me and would you, would you save me, God? Would you be my God? Some of you today need to do that. I, I tell you, you, you really do. Would you confess your sins to the Lord today? Would you by faith put your trust in him, the shepherd of your soul? You say, well, what do I need to do? Well, here's what you need to do. You need just to be real with him and just be transparent and say, okay, God, I need you. And I give you my life today. Would you come into me, Lord, and save me by your blood that was shed for me on this cross? By faith, God, I trust that you are the king, the shepherd, that you died, that you arose from the dead, and you love me. And so today, Lord, I give you my life. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, I'm just so honored to pray for you today. There are others that are sitting here. You know the Lord, and you know you're on your way to heaven, but you've just kind of been walking with God at a guilty distance and, and as a sheep that kind of strays from the sheepfold. That, that's you today. And God now is gently, or he may not just really be gently, he may otherwise just kind of, he's kind of knocking you on the noggin, and he's saying, come, come on back. It is safer, it is more peaceful, and I invite you to come back to me, to my people. And so I invite you to do that today. Lord God, I just want to thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that it is so rich and it's so, it's so meaningful, God, it's so powerful. And, Lord, I just ask you today to speak to people's hearts and draw them into intimacy, into relationship with you. Lord, for some, the very first time. And for others, God, you're drawing them back to you. And I thank you, Lord, that even as sheep go astray, 
The shepherd brings them back. And God, that's what you're doing today. In this room with hundreds of people here, God, I I believe by the power of your spirit, you're, you're drawing people back to where they know they need to be with you. And so I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, now as we stand in a moment, during a time of invitation, that, Father, some will sing, and I'm glad they will, and others, Lord, they will just, God, they will come forward, and they will make amazingly important decisions. God, about their, about their marriages, about their relationship with their kids, about, Lord, their relationship with you preeminently. And I, I just pray, God, it would be a sweet time when the shepherd of our souls invites us to come to him. So, Lord, would you move upon us? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Stand to your feet. God bless you. Terry's going to lead us as we sing.